Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous program, I was in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, where it says, beginning in verse 1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And what I was explaining in the previous program is that there are people who are around us who are dealing with sins. If we go and speak with them about the issues that they are struggling with, the sins that they are dealing with, the trespasses that they are dealing with, and we should do so carefully with an understanding that the solution is not to explain to them that it's wrong. The solution has to do with explaining to them that they need to pursue the love of God, that they need to rest in the love of God, that they need to experience the grace and mercy of God. Otherwise, we can be tempted also through the effect of the law within our lives. And so this is what I was explaining in the previous program, and that verse 2 has to do with tolerating one another's burdens bearing them in the sense of forgiving them, bearing them in the sense of not holding their sins against them with reference to the law of Christ, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, that he has forgiven us our sins and so that he can restore to us the life of God, the Holy Spirit that was lost in Adam so that an individual can be the recipient of the grace and mercy and the love of God and they can begin to have a relationship with him that the solution is not to approach these individuals with the law, it is to approach these individuals with the love of God, because the reason why the trespass or the sin is overtaking them is because they are not resting in the love of God. And I was explaining this in the previous program. You know, these verses can be quite a challenge for a person who is religious. Quite a challenge. The reason why I say that is because in religion, people live according to what is good and evil. That is what religion is. It is a system of bondage defined by what is right and wrong. The boundaries of life are established by what is good and evil. And that is the system of bondage that an individual will devote themselves to for whatever reason. In order to be blessed by God, in order to have a place in the kingdom of heaven. There are many reasons why people will pursue religion. But one of the appeals of religion, one of the subtle appeals is that if you find some way to live in obedience to a reasonable degree, to a reasonable degree, the standard that the religion defines, if you are successful to an extent, well, then you have accomplished something. You have really accomplished something very important. You are now righteous and holy on the basis of what you have done or on the basis of what you have not done. And one of the things that you can then value as a result of your success is the opportunity to now go and help other people achieve a similar success, perhaps the same success. Your role 
in religion is to not only accomplish what the religion demands, but you will also have the role of helping others achieve the same goal that you have also achieved. You will then find yourself in a situation, now that you have found a way to live in obedience to the law of the religion, you will now go out and find others. You will convert others. You will participate in the conversion and the transformation of others by getting them to live within the same boundaries, according to the same law, the same system of bondage that you have succeeded in living by. And so a religious person needs a sinner in their life so that they can have someone to convert, to help, to be involved with, so that they can accomplish their obligation to pass on the religion to somebody else. They need a sinner, they need someone who has a trespass so they can go to that individual and help them overcome that trespass. You see, the people who were coming out of Jerusalem and going to speak with the people in Galatia were not going there just to help the Galatians. They were going there to help themselves. They went to Galatia for whatever reason, but while they were there, while they were there, they spoke to the Galatians about their lack of obedience, about the fact that the Galatians had trespasses, that they needed to observe certain days. They needed to be circumcised. They needed to live according to Moses. The people from Jerusalem must have been really excited to find people who would tolerate them, who would listen to them, who would hear them explain that they needed to live a life of obedience, that they needed to let go of the sins in their life, that they needed to live according to Moses. They needed the Galatians. They needed them. So when Paul said this, the Galatians could have easily read what Paul wrote here, and they could have suggested, well, sure, That's what we did. You know, these Galatians, they were sinning. They were caught in a trespass. We went to them to try to help them. And, of course, we were careful that we wouldn't become sinners like they were. And we bore their burdens in the sense that we stuck it out with them for a while. We did our best to help them. That is how a religious person will read a verse like verse 2, where it says, bear one another's burdens. Sure, they'll bear their burdens. They'll get in there and stick it out with them and help them out. But that is not what Paul is intending to say. He's saying, tolerate, forgive. He's not saying, get in there and pick up some of the load and struggle to overcome these trespasses. That's not what he meant. He said, forgive and accept Bear with them as the Lord is doing a work in their hearts. That's what I believe Paul was intending to say. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 3, it says, For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Well, that is an individual who lives according to the law, who lives according to a standard of good and evil, who is religious. They deceive themselves. They live in deception. They live in dishonesty. They may think that there's something, but they are nothing. Absolutely nothing. In verse 4 it says, But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. Now the reason why he's saying this, of course, is because of the conflict between the people of Jerusalem and the people of Galatia that the people from Jerusalem were examining the work of the people in Galatia. And he says, who do these people think they are? Who do they think they are examining 
your works. Let them examine their own works. They will find plenty of opportunities to make adjustments in their own life. And if they do succeed, then they can rejoice in themselves alone, not in another. And of course, they can do that through deceiving themselves. Nobody else is going to rejoice in their ability to get their flesh under control because people know better. People know better. Not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. Each one shall bear his own sin. Each one shall live their own lives. Each one shall grow and mature in their relationship with their God as their God sees fit, as they experience him personally. Each one shall deal with their own sins as they have their experience with their own God, not their experience with everybody else. That's what he says. Religious people need sinners that they can help, that they can convert, that they can get to be obedient. They need people like that so that they can boast in their own accomplishments that not only did they get it right themselves, but they got somebody else to get it right, which is a total lie. It's a total deception. No one will ever live in obedience to the commandments of God, ever. So continuing into verse 6, he says, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, the Apostle Paul takes a moment to explain that it is important for someone to be teaching. It is important for people to help that person teach. It is important for people to be learning. And it is important for the people who are teaching to teach something to the people who are learning something that's worth listening to. All of these things are important and that people should work together. We do need that. You know, one of the problems with a lack of good teaching is that there will be a lot of opportunities for a lot of really bad teaching. If the Galatians had a good, strong leader who was there, who could teach the scriptures, who could teach the scriptures not only in the context of having the ability to do so, but also to have the resources to be able to do that, then that person could have easily prepared these people to deal with this conflict that the Apostle Paul is addressing in this letter. That they didn't need the Apostle Paul necessarily. They could have dealt with this themselves if they had some maturity in order to address these issues personally. So the Apostle Paul takes a moment to deal with the conflict by saying, listen, you folks need some good teaching in there. You really do. And to experience that, you're going to need to find some good teachers because obviously due to the lack thereof, you have been in conflict with these other people coming from Jerusalem who apparently have the ability to teach what they believe very well. And so this is one of the ways to deal with those issues. And then he goes on, I'm going to come back to this in just a minute, but he goes on into verse 11 and he says, See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. He's explaining again that these people were coming to tell them that they needed to be circumcised, 
because if they didn't tell the Galatians that they needed to be circumcised, then they would have been persecuted from the people who they know. The religious people who they know would persecute them because they failed. They failed to get the Gentiles to repent and become Jews. That's what he's getting at. He's explaining to them that they are compelled because of the persecution that they would have experienced, not only from people, but also perhaps the condemnation that they feel that God would impose on them. But continuing into verse 13, he says, For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Right? They don't keep the law. They say that they do. They believe that they do, perhaps. But they're liars. They are deceiving. They are deceiving people who are around them to include themselves. It is all a big lie. But they want to get you to do it so that they can claim that they got you to do it. And they can boast. And they can establish their value and their usefulness, and their commitment. They can boast in who they are, that they are people who have not only gotten circumcised themselves, but they got other people to do it too. They have not only obeyed the religion to the extent that some people will approve of them, but they have gotten other people to obey a religion so that those people can be approved of by the elders and the apostles who were in Jerusalem. It's all about people looking at each other, people living in obedience to whatever for these selfish, fleshly reasons that have nothing to do with the living God at all. And then in verse 14, But God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. The presence of a law, the absence of a law, means nothing. Obedience to the commandments or the lack thereof means nothing. There is something entirely new. There is a new creation. Whether you are in a trespass, in a sin, or out of a trespass or a sin means nothing. There is a new creation. There is something completely different, completely new that we are a part of, that we are in. Do not let people take you away from the truth that has been revealed concerning it. Because there is a new way of life in this new creation that he is referring to. You are a new creation and you have a new way of life. In verse 16, And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Now, I'd like to go back to verses 6 through 10, where he says, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Now, I mentioned that the reason why it's difficult sometimes to find good teaching is because people don't support it. They just don't. It's very unusual for people to support good teaching. It is very common. It is not unusual for people to support bad teaching. And one of the reasons why this is the case, especially in our modern times, is because bad teaching is normally supported through extortion. It is supported through the criminal act of telling someone 
that if they don't support the teacher who is teaching, then God is going to intervene and cause whatever destruction is necessary in that person's life in order to get them to start paying the teacher who is teaching things that are just simply not true. There is a lot of money in religion. There's a lot of money in the church. But virtually all of it is directed towards people who are engaged in the act of extortion. And in addition to that, there is a lot of money that is used in order to support facilities and activities in order to give people religious entertainment centers, for the most part. A tremendous amount of resources are spent all the time on a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with good teaching. And so I just wanted to take a moment to mention that because I have encountered a lot of people who have expressed their disappointment, their disappointment that they have not been able to find a lot of good teaching. And I can understand that. I can appreciate that. I find it very difficult to find good teaching as well. I do. I find it very difficult. I like to find other people who are teaching through the scriptures and hear what they have to say. I like to do that just as much as anybody else would. But in order for this to happen, people have to support it. It takes a tremendous amount of work. You know, the work that I do is work. I mean, it's a tremendous amount of work. Do you have any idea what it takes in order to produce a 27-minute program? It takes a lot more than 27 minutes, I can tell you that. It takes a tremendous amount of work. A lot of work is involved in the work that I do personally. Compared to many other ministries that are doing similar work that I am doing, I do the work of about six people, and of course I'm able to accomplish that through using computers and very careful procedures and things like that so that I can accomplish a lot with very little. But, you know, the vast majority of my time is definitely not spent teaching. It isn't. It could be I could use most all of my time just teaching if I had the resources to hire people to be able to help me do the other work that has to be done in order to support the infrastructure necessary in order to produce the teaching that I'm able to produce and broadcast it and put it out so that people in the world can benefit from it. So I certainly do a tremendous amount of work, and I'm able to do this because people help me do that. They share with me those things that are good. They take a portion of what they have that they probably would use in order to indulge their flesh otherwise, and they share that with me so that I can make use of it and do the work that I am doing. Now, I am not ashamed of the work that I am doing. I know that many people have experienced a significant change in their lives as a result of the work that I've been able to do and the work that God has done within and through me and the work that God has done while I have been doing mine. I am not ashamed of the work of God and I am not ashamed to say that I have been a participant in the work that God has been doing in order to transform many people's lives. And so I am not ashamed to ask you you to help. I'm asking you right now, will you consider helping me continue to do the work that I am doing? Because I have a lot more that I can do. A lot more. And if more people would help me, I could do a lot more. And so if you are being taught by me, if I am teaching you, if you are listening to what I am saying and it is of value to you, then help me. Please help me do that. I will continue the work that I am doing, and I believe that you will continue to benefit from that. But, you know, in addition to that, what I really 
really want you to consider, if you're not helping me, I really want you to consider contributing to the work that I'm doing because other people are going to benefit from it. I don't want you to just support Living God Ministries because you're personally benefiting from the work of Living God Ministries. I want you to support it because you know that other people are going to benefit from it. You know, the vast majority of my supporters are people who have already benefited from the work that I have done, and they are supporting the work that I'm doing because they want other people to benefit from it. This is not a product to be sold. Again, what I am doing is not generating things to be sold. I am asking you to support a cause, a cause for truth, a cause for good teaching, a cause for good materials that can be put out into the world so that people will personally benefit from them to the extent that they will grow to know their God. I know of no greater cause to support than this. And so this is what I do. This is who I am. This is what I do. And I'm asking you to help because I know that if you will help, it will make a big difference. There are tens of thousands of people who listen to me every day, who learn from me every day. And the number of people who learn from me and also support me, that number of people can be described only with scientific notation. It's somewhere around 10 to the minus 4. That's how many people actually support the work that I do. If that could be moved up to something like 10 to the minus 3 or 10 to the minus 2, the impact would be so significant that without question, this ministry would be the number one ministry in the world just because we would be reaching so many people. So if you're not supporting this cause, do so. Don't wait. Do so. Now, I am not saying this out of a command or out of a law. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. But I can just about guarantee you that if you have any interest in supporting the work of Living God Ministries at all, it's only because the Holy Spirit is encouraging you to do so. And so I believe that the proper phrase should be, let him, as is found in verse 6, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Let him allow you, allow yourself. I'm letting you and I'm giving you the privilege and the opportunity to do so. Take advantage of this opportunity right now and support the work that I am doing. I will continue to do the work that I am doing. I have every degree of confidence that I will be able to continue this work. However, there is a limitation concerning the outreach that can be done just because of the resources that are necessary. There is no need for any additional work to be done to broadcast this program and the others on other radio stations. I can do the same amount of work in order to broadcast on one radio station as it takes to broadcast on a 100 radio stations or on 500 or a 1,000 radio stations. There is no more work necessary in a significant sense. There is no more work that really needs to be done in order to expand the outreach. At this point, all I need is additional funds additional funds in order to sign additional contracts, in order to pay additional radio stations, and the computers do the rest. I've written programs that will do the work. There's no more work that needs to be done. 
send in your contributions right now, and they will all go towards additional broadcasting. This message is a very important message. The only way that this is going to continue is if people support it. The only way that people will be able to continue to teach is if people will help them with the resources that are necessary in order to accomplish that. Otherwise, myself and others will just simply have to use most of our time doing other kinds of work, which I personally have no problem doing. I will do that. If for some reason no one wants to help me to continue to do this, then I will accept that and I will go and do something else. But in the meantime, all of the work that I have already done is available for free. It's available for free in the radio archive that I have produced for livinggodministries.net. Go to livinggodministries.net, and there you will find the radio archive, and all of the programs that I have produced are available there for free. Listen to those programs, tell other people about those programs, and use them. You use them. You use them in order to present the truth of the gospel to others, so that others can be set free. If you're not willing to help me do it, then you use the content and the materials that I have already produced. You take the time to do that. This is the end of the verse-by-verse study that I have produced on the letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians. In this study, I mentioned a number of other topical programs, series of programs that I encouraged you to listen to. And I again want to encourage you to listen to those programs because those series of programs that I produced on a topical level are a much more focused and refined opportunity to deal with these subjects that are presented throughout the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote. When I go through the letters that he wrote, I spend a lot of time talking about things that people probably already know because they have heard me talk about these things in other places. But I still took the time to teach through the letter, verse by verse, and address each subject as it was presented. But for more detail, do take the time to listen to the topical programs that I have produced and are available for free in the radio archive. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net that you may